Well, good morning, sisters and brothers. Um, can I ask you to turn with me, please, to Colossians chapter 2, uh, verses 6 to the end. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to the end. I'll lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll speak to us by your Spirit through your word this morning, uh, that we might live and grow in your sight. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was looking at our St. Mary's Facebook page the other day, uh, I came across a uh, comment, a very helpful comment, uh, that one of our members uh, wrote as he reflected on last week's sermon. And he wrote this, Not only believing in Christ, but seeking to be a mature Christian should be the goal in Christian life. Not only believing in Christ, but seeking to be a mature Christian should be the goal in our Christian life. And that's absolutely right, isn't it? But what does a mature Christian look like? And how do we progress towards Christian maturity? Well, different people have given different answers to that question. But imagine that you're a builder in a building project. If the building's to properly take shape, what you need to do is follow the architect's plan. Not just for the foundations and the ground floor, but, but all the way. And God has determined a shape for the Christian life. It's a shape that springs out from the gospel and its implications. And as we seek to build towards maturity, we need to conform to that template because the gospel determines not only how to become a Christian, but how we should grow as Christians. And in our passage today, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, gives us a big picture summary of what the Christian life ought to look like. And then he warns us about alternatives uh, that the Colossians were in danger of taking. And then from next week onwards, we will go back to seeing the right way to progress fleshed out in detail for the Colossians. Now, the summary of God's blueprint for our Christian life is found in verses 6 to 7. It says this, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, how this looks like in different people's lives might look different, but the core is all the same. Let's look at these verses very carefully. The starting point for the Christian life is when the Colossians, verse 6, received Christ Jesus the Lord. Right? When they believed the gospel, it wasn't just receiving information about Jesus, they received Christ himself. That was a personal thing, a relational thing, not just an informational thing. They received Christ Jesus, that is King Jesus, the Lord, right? as the Lord of their life, as the King of their life. And so there was a change in ownership of their lives. And as a congregation, we too have received Christ Jesus, the Lord. Uh, we've not only been told that he is the supreme one, the, the Lord of heaven and earth, the one by whom and for whom the whole universe exists, but we have come to bow the knee to him and accept him as our Lord. We receive Christ Jesus, the Lord. But that may not be true of every individual in our online service today. Uh, if you're someone who hasn't yet received Christ the Lord, then well, that's the very first step you need to take. Because Jesus really deserves to be your Lord. He died to rescue you from sin, to make you his own. He rose from the dead. He is Lord of heaven and earth. Believe in him as Lord 
and turn your life over to him as your master. And if you need to find out more about him before you think you can do that, then, then read the New Testament, speak to a Christian friend, or join our Life Explored course that's coming up real soon. Receive Christ Jesus, the Lord. Having received Christ Jesus, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, says through Paul in verse 6, so walk in him. Walking is a lifestyle thing. Taking steps day by day in the right way, the right direction. How you walk means how you live, your way of life, your character. If Christ Jesus is your Lord, then live his way. And that is the big command from our passage today. That is the big picture of God's plan for our Christian life. Step one, receive Christ Jesus the Lord. And step two, walk in his ways. Next week, when we get to chapter three, we will see that this walking involves a new way of thinking, setting our hearts on Christ and heaven, looking forward to our future there with him. It involves a new way of living, saying no to the old sinful nature and things like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, greed, anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Because in Christ, that's not who we are anymore. It involves deliberately cultivating tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, making allowance for each other's faults, forgiving others, and above all, showing love. Because in Christ, God has loved us and forgiven us. It involves letting the Word of God, the Gospel, fill our church life as we teach each other and as we sing to God together with thankful hearts. It involves doing everything, whether it be at church or at home or at work or, may I add, online, as representatives of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And the motivation of all the springs for what God has done for us in Christ is revealed in the gospel. You've received Christ the Lord, Paul says, now, now walk in Him. That is God's plan for the Christian life. That is the blueprint for how we are to live. But before we really open those things up in chapter 3, Paul spends the rest of chapter 2 warning the Colossians about the importance of sticking to the plan and not being diverted from it. And the Spirit gives us that same warning. And so in verse 7, Paul gives us four doing words that are linked to that command, which is walk in Christ. Uh, you see them there. Rooted, built up, established, abounding. And we'll look at them in turn. Uh, first of all, being rooted. Right? Rooted in Christ. Uh, the tense of the word there indicates something that's completed. Uh, you could translate having been rooted. Right? Because it actually starts before the walking. Uh, and the word there is passive. Right? Paul is telling the Colossian Christians that they have been rooted in Christ. Right? As Epaphras taught them the gospel, as the Spirit worked in their hearts, uh, they were rooted in Christ. And a plant that is rooted is firmly in place. They have been planted firmly in Christ. Now, you wouldn't expect a plant with roots to be moving from here to there. Right? It's not meant to be transferable. And likewise, since the Colossians have been rooted in Christ, they weren't meant to be going somewhere else when they walk, right? to mix the metaphors uh, that Paul uses. Uh, and that's the same for us, isn't it? Uh, if we have received Christ Jesus as Lord, if we have truly believed the gospel, we have been rooted in Christ. We're not ever meant to say, okay, I've got what I need from here, let's see what I can get from the next field. Uh, if we've been rooted in Christ, we walk in Him, we stay in Him. Uh, but being rooted is not enough. 
a plant that is well-rooted should then grow. And so the second thing we see in verse 7 is built up. Right? The word is actually being built up. It's happening together with the walking uh, at the same time. Right? The picture there is of a house that is in the process of being built. Uh, and Paul wants the Colossians, uh, the Colossian Christians, to, to be built up as they walk in Christ. Uh, and that's what the Holy Spirit wants us for us as well, but both individually and as God's people together. We are to be growing towards maturity in Christ. And that means being united in the truth of Christ and His gospel and all that He teaches in His word. And it means growing more and more like Him in our character. We are to be built. Uh, make no mistake, friends. God's blueprint calls for spiritual growth. But that growth is to be in Christ. We have What we are rooted in is the same as what we are built up in. Because sometimes people think we start off in Christ and then we, after that we go to, to new things, maybe new gurus or new experiences or new insights or new techniques if we're going to be really spiritual. And that's, that's, a, that's a terrible mistake. And for the rest of the chapter that Paul warns the Colossians about this, uh, people were trying to add things to Christ which comes from human philosophy and human tradition. Uh, and so in verse 8, Paul says this, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Uh, people were saying, knowing Christ is not enough. We can offer you this other thing for, for the sake of fullness. Uh, and Paul says no in verse 9 and 10. In him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. People are saying Christ is not enough, you need to be circumcised. But Paul says no, the true circumcision is already yours uh, if you are in Christ because you have been united with him in his death and resurrection. Verse 11 onwards, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Uh, people were talking about rulers and authorities, uh, spiritual forces that you, that you need to learn about so you can handle them and appease them. But Paul says that Christ conquered them all on the cross when he died for our sins. And by wiping the record clean of our sins, uh, verse 15 says that he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, triumphing over them. Uh, people were talking about having to keep special Jewish days and seasons and the rules about what you can eat and what you can't eat, what you can touch, what you can't touch. And Paul says, no, that's all old covenant stuff. Verse 16, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. People were talking about asceticism or self-denial, abstaining from, from certain physical pleasures in order to get spiritual growth. They were talking about angels which they, which they had seen in visions who would some, uh, somehow be, be mediators to get them closer to God. And Paul says in verse 18, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from which the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. People were talking about having to live by external rules and regulations, 
can't eat this, you can't touch that. You have to fast on this particular day or discipline your body in that particular way. But Paul says in verse 20 to 23, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you are still alive to the world, do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. That is just the wrong model for spiritual growth. It all seems so religious and so disciplined, so ordered, but actually, he says, it's of no value. Because the real issues have got nothing to do with food. The real issue has got nothing to do with denying yourself the gifts that God has given in creation simply for the sake of doing so. The real issues of spiritual growth are to do with attitudes and behavior that spring from the gospel. And one thing doesn't help the other. And Paul says, stop mucking around with worthless things and deal with the real issues. Stop trying to get religious in a way that does not come from Christ. True godliness comes from obeying the gospel and growing in Christ. The building started off with one set of plans that came from the gospel. Don't go and take a different set of plans from a different architect, from a different building, and then try to add the second and third floor using that. You've been rooted in Christ. You've got to be built in Christ. The third thing that the Spirit links to, to walking in Christ in verse 7 is being established in the faith just as you were taught. Right? The established word there could be translated strengthened, made firm. Right? Uh, again, it's happening together with the walking. Right? It's an ongoing thing. And once again, it's passive. Right? They keep on being strengthened. They keep on being made firm. They keep on being established in the faith. Right? The faith is the body of teaching that speaks of Christ. Again, not some new teaching, not extra stuff. Epaphras, he had faithfully taught them the gospel. Even the apostle himself didn't have anything to add. And so they walk in Christ, they need to be reinforced with the same gospel over and over again. That's why Paul keeps circling back to the gospel again and again, even as he writes this letter. And that's why he'll tell them later, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach one another. Now friends, it doesn't matter who we heard the gospel from first, whether it's from some famous preacher or from our classmate in class, right? if we've been taught the true gospel, that's the important thing. But that's not the end of the story. If we're going to keep walking in Christ, we need, keep, we need to keep on being reminded of the gospel. It will need to keep being reinforced for us day by day, week by week, online and offline. Never get tired of hearing the gospel. You will need to keep being strengthened by it. You will need to be, keep being encouraged to, to, to apply it over and over again if you're going to keep on walking in Christ. Keep on being established in the faith that you were taught. And the fourth item in verse 7 uh, about walking in Christ is thankfulness. Paul says we are to be abounding in thanksgiving. Uh, and brothers and sisters, we are to be people who are, uh, are, are overwhelmingly thankful. because That is the mark of the true believer, isn't it? And if we are really thankful for what God has done for us in Christ, then we won't go chasing after other things. If we have received Christ as Lord, if we're rooted in Him, if we're being built up in Him, we're being strengthened in the faith, then how can we be anything but thankful? 
that we are thankful for all God has done for us and continues to do for us day by day. Uh, but the biggest thing God has done for us, the central focus of our thanksgiving, is once again that gospel that we were taught. And let's go back and remind ourselves of one aspect of the gospel that we can be thankful for in our passage today. Something that's true for every one of us who has Christ Jesus as our Lord. Now back in verse 13, Paul reminds us that we used to be dead in our trespasses, in our sins, in the uncircumcision of our flesh. But God made us alive with Christ. He forgave our trespasses. And how did he do that? By verse 14, by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Right? That record of debt was, was like an IOU. Right? We owed God big time for all the wrongs we've done. We deserved his punishment forever. And God took that IOU, he took that record of debt in verse 14. He said he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. He set it aside, he, he wiped it clean, he, he obliterated, he erased it. How? Verse 14, by nailing it to the cross. Right? Uh, you see, in, some, in those days when someone was crucified, right, the charge for which they were being punished would be, would be nailed to the cross above their head as they were being crucified there. And the record of your death and mine, that is what God nailed to the cross with Jesus. As Jesus was dying there on the cross for our he, he was dying there for our sin, our wrongs. He paid the price on our behalf. He took the punishment that we deserve. And so now that debt is cancelled. Even the record of sin is completely obliterated. We have been completely forgiven. And the forces of evil which accused us of sin, they are beaten. Because the debt is clear, they can't use it against us anymore. We need not, we need not fear the accusation. He made a mockery of them. He put them to open shame, verse 15, on the cross. Now that's something to be thankful for, isn't it? So sisters and brothers, we have seen today that God's plan for us is not, not only to receive Christ as Lord, but to walk in Him. God's plan for us is not to be forgiven but stagnant, but to grow, to be built up in Christ, strengthened in His gospel, overflowing with thanksgiving. Or as our brother commented on Facebook, not only believing in Christ, but seeking to be a mature Christian should be our goal in Christian life. So, let me, leave you, let me leave you with a question. Have you been growing towards maturity in Christ? Can you look back on where you were, say, three years ago and say, yes, I've been strengthened all the more in the gospel. I am all the more firm and thankful in my faith. My character continues to be changed into the next step of becoming like Christ, even as God uses all different kinds of challenges to mold me. And if you can say that, well, that's just another thing to be thankful for. And if you can't, then well, we need to do something about that, don't we? Now, don't go off and do it by some means that's alien to the gospel. Stick to the architect's plan. Keep going back to what God has done for us in Jesus and seek to walk in Him, responding to the grace that He has shown us in Him. And we'll see more about how this works in our passage next week. But in the meantime, if you think that one of your leaders or someone on the pastoral team or brother or sister in Christ can be helpful to you as you seek to grow, then please uh, do be in touch. We would all love to support each other uh, as we do this. We have received 
Christ Jesus the Lord. Let us walk in Him. Having been rooted in Him, let us be built up in Him. Let us be strengthened in the truths of His gospel as we remind each other and seek to live it out. And let us keep being more and more overwhelmingly thankful for all that God has done for us in Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for making us your people. And we, having received Christ the Lord, please help us indeed to walk in Him. Having been rooted in Him, may we continue to be built up in Him. May we continue to be strengthened in the faith that we were taught. And may we be people who are bound in thanksgiving. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.